Dude, hey. I tell you, you're like missing really good weather in Ohio right now. I know, but hey, it's been 60 around here. It's been nice. It's 60 here. It's almost as if spring has sprung, except Ohio likes to turn every other three days and say, hey, it's going to snow today. You remember winter? And it's back. I don't want it to be back. That means there's no more baseball and no volleyball. And we're stuck with a hiatus of the NBA. <laughs> and now we're a month away from the draft. I love spring. Yeah, it's I, I'm, I'm excited for it to get warm and everything. Do you know what the difference between a buffalo and a bison is? A buffalo and a bison. I don't know. Does it does it have to do like with gender? Or? No, actually, it's uh, they're two different animals. Are they? Are you serious? Yeah. I feel stupid. A buffalo and a bison are different animals. <laughs> really? You learn something new every day. You learn something new every day. Okay, and here we go in three, two, and. Welcome to the Smith and Seidel Show, Season 2, Episode 1. I'm Jake Seidel alongside Zach Smith. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. We're back. <sighs> yeah, baby, yeah! So, um, we wanted to apologize, but welcome to Season 2. Um, it took some time to figure out some scheduling stuff uh, over the past couple of months. Uh, just school starting back up for myself. Jacob getting a new job all the way up in North Dakota, so he's not just two minutes away from me anymore, which is which, still pretty sad. So it's now it. a necessity uh, to record all these online because um, <laughs> I can't just but, fly to Ohio every time I want to record a podcast. What? Dude, you could just stay here. You could sleep on my futon. I, I know, but I mean monies. I, I make enough money yeah, to buy true. new equipment. I don't make enough money to <laughs> fly every week. I don't know. Flights are pretty cheap. So uh, it's whatever. So welcome to season two. It's going to be a lot of the same stuff, but, you know, different stuff will obviously be going on. The NBA or wow, the NFL draft is in about a month. Uh, well, less than a month, actually. No, it's about a month, the 29th. So we've got that. So NFL offseason just started officially the new league year this past week. So free agency. We are close to opening day. NBA All-Star game just happened, and we're coming down the stretch in that. College hockey? College hockey. College hockey. College hockey. Uh, they're, they're underway right now. PGSU Volleyball, MAC champions, and they're going to win the tourney. I am so confident of that. Speak it um, into existence. Speak it into existence. It has been spoken. Um, yeah, so a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, FCS football is going on right now. Buffalo are the, uh, no, pardon me, the North Dakota North State Dakota Bison State. Uh, beat up on the North Dakota Fighting Hawks yesterday uh, in a chance. Trey Lance. No, he's not playing. I know he's playing. He's getting ready to get drafted this yeah, year. Yeah, he's going to get drafted. I hope he goes to the Eagles. I hope he goes to the Eagles. I think you're dumb. Well, actually, there's a... Uh, there was a uh, there's a big sporting goods store. It's kind of like a mixture between Dick's and Bass Pro Shop up here, called Shields. And uh, I went okay. to the one in Fargo yesterday, and uh, they had a bunch of Carson Wentz Eagles jerseys on sale. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't apply anymore. Uh, we can well we can skip back to the NFL, or we can start off with it. Uh, well, we got to start off with uh, today in sports history. Boo, it's not educational time. Well, in 1969, the 31st NCAA Men's Basketball Championship, UCLA beats Purdue 92-72, Bruins three-peat, and uh, it was the Bruins center Lou, oh, I should know this, I can't say that name, Alkendor, it's either Alkendor or Alcindor, uh, it was the tournament most outstanding player for the third consecutive year. So That's why? So why don't we start out 
with some March Madness. No perfect brackets remaining. And it's and we just started the round of 32 today. That's the crazy part about it. So the biggest upset thus far in March Madness has to be Ohio State against Oral Roberts. A two-seed Buckeyes taking on the number 15 Oral Roberts team. And um, it should be pretty easy, right? Wrong. Ohio State falls to Oral Roberts in overtime. Yeah, and it's not what you wanted to see. Buckeyes should have pulled that one out. Um, And then Washington. I can't remember his first name. The Buckeyes player. He's getting death threats. EJ, no, it was EJ Liddell who was getting oh, death threats. Liddell was getting death threats. Yeah. And, like, and come then on. He, he, it, it's a game. Um, but, you know, even still, that's a, that's a game that Ohio State should have won. The number two seed against the 15 seed. Only eight times going into that game has a 15 seed beaten or a two seed in the round of 64. Eight times before that. Credit Oral Roberts. I don't want to take anything away from them. They showed up. They were ready to play. But... Ohio State, you you can't go into that and expect to win that game, um, and and when you play the way that you do. So I mean, and I'm working at Ohio State to the Final Four. And as we go ahead and take a look at the uh, Smith and Seidel bracket challenge that we did with some of our friends, uh, Zach and I are actually tied for first place right now. Uh, at least my real bracket. I also had my joke bracket with the Buckeyes winning it all in there because I do one of each every year. Busted. It, yeah, very much so busted. Do you want to know whose bracket is not busted? Whose bracket is not busted? One of my friends in another group that my friend group did. It's not busted. Okay. They picked Ohio right. to win it all, the Bobcats. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. Good luck with that one. But, uh... But no, I'm sitting at, like, what, 91%? I am also sitting at 91%. But uh, that also doesn't... <laughs> Play the round of 32. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, Zach and I are both sitting with 230 points out of the round of 64. My, uh, my West region actually is perfect right now. I called every single victory correct. I mean, Oregon and VCU, that's going to go down as an asterisk. I think that's going to go down as the lowest scoring game in March Madness history with, uh, Oregon officially scoring a point because somebody had to score a point to get the win this year. Um, COVID regulations, really cruddy way for VCU to unfortunately have their season taken from them by COVID in the big dance. Mm. It's hard enough to get here. You're a 10 seed, so you clearly worked for it. But well, my really cruddy way to go out. Looking at my West uh, bracket, I only missed one game, and I thought it was going to be Missouri pulling out the upset over Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Then uh, you head down into the east. The east is where I, I struggled a little bit um, with Maryland getting the big upset over UConn, 63-54. to 54. I had UConn, uh, then BYU and Texas both falling, so both upsets for UCLA and Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian, obviously the bigger one, a 14 seed against a 3 seed. Yeah, I missed those um, two as well, but I had also picked St. Bonaventure to beat LSU. Um, I did pick Colorado, Florida State, and Maryland in Alabama to come through there, though. But if you look at my South region, that's where I'm screwed. Uh, I had... I picked both Baylor and Wisconsin to come out, and Baylor is right now leading Wisconsin by 10. Uh, So I'm going to get another one wrong on that one because I had Wisconsin pulling the upset on Baylor. Funny enough, I had North Carolina beating Wisconsin, but North Carolina upsetting Baylor. So I'm right there with you. I didn't have Baylor making it out of the round of 32. I also then, ha- you know, I also had uh, Purdue pulling out against North Texas. Well, we both know that didn't happen. I did, too. Um, I did, too. And then I had Arkansas coming out, but I had Utah State beating Texas Tech in an upset. Um, so And the... Buckeyes. Arkansas is coming through. I did pick Florida, but then the Buckeyes. My um, my Elite Eight matchup was actually Purdue and Ohio State. As was mine. As was mine. And it's that's not going to happen. And then you look at the Midwest. 
Loyola Chicago. Yeah, Loyola Chicago. I had How Ill- about Loyola Chicago? Sister Jean. 101, dude. The big 101. Loyola Chicago with the upset over the over Illinois, the fighting Illini. The first one seed goes down. Uh, Loyola Chicago beating Illinois today, the day we're recording, so the 21st of March, 71-58. to 58. Um, My final four... Three of the teams that I chose are still in the running. Um, my my final four of Gonzaga, Michigan, Ohio State, and Oklahoma State. Ohio State is out, but I didn't have Ohio State even making it to the national championship game. I, I still have Gonzaga and Oklahoma State in there. I still have Gonzaga and Florida State. My final four, though, I only have two teams, those two. My other two picks were a rematch of the Big Ten title game, Ohio State and Illinois. I thought there was a very good chance it could happen, uh, but the Buckeyes just didn't show up, and Illinois got embarrassed. I wouldn't say Illinois got embarrassed. I want to throw that out there. Loyola Chicago is a hell of a team, so you really got to appreciate what they're they're doing over there and they, they beat Georgia Tech and now they took on Illinois and they're going to get the winners of Oklahoma State and Oregon State and I am so high on the Cowboys this year I am so confident and high on the Oklahoma State Cowboys and I tell you what if Loyola Chicago beats Oklahoma State they will make it to the big dance the big game they I, will go to the championship game if they beat Oklahoma State I think they can I think they will um my biggest upset in this bracket, though, I had Cleveland State beating Houston. I thought that was, I thought Cleveland State was the most likely Cinderella 15 seed. Uh, that one didn't pan out. Um, I'm a little upset so we me, didn't have a 16 seed that beat a one seed this year. Let, let me ask you this question How far do you think Oral Roberts could realistically go? Do you think they could beat Florida tonight? I, I think it's a possibility. I'm probably going to be watching that game. I think the Gators saw what the Buckeyes did, though, and I think they'll be ready uh, for Oral Roberts. Um, the one I am very interested number 13, Ohio, against number 5, Creighton. So let me throw this. Which is more likely, the Ohio Bobcats make it to the Sweet 16 or Oral Roberts going to the Sweet 16. The Bobcats, representing the Mid-American Conference, upset Virginia last night 62-58. to They will take on Creighton tomorrow. And then the Florida Gators taking on Oral Roberts tonight. Oral Roberts with the big win over Ohio State, 75-72. What is more likely, the Bobcats advancing, or Oral Roberts advancing? I would say it's more likely seeing the Bobcats advance. The Mid-American Conference is a tough conference, and it, it, the reason everyone has so many losses is because they all beat each other during the regular season. It is very hard to sweep a series in the MAC. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I went to a MAC school. Uh, Creighton, they're, they're a good team. They outlasted, uh, what is that, California Santa Barbara? in the first round by one point. Uh, I'm putting the Blue Jays on upset alert. Interesting. I I think the Bobcats are probably the most underrated team in the um, tournament this year. I think Oral Roberts got lucky, and I don't think they'll, they'll survive Florida. So the national championship game is slated for the 5th of April. Um Who's your tournament champion right now? You have Gonzaga, don't you? Yes, I do have Gonzaga. I had them winning over Ohio State. I thought Ohio State, you know, that rematch of Illinois and uh, Ohio State would get the better of the fighting Illini. Uh, but I do have it. It's a one point affair. I have them picked to win the championship game 78 to 77. Uh, I had a relatively similar score. I have Gonzaga taking on the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. I am very, very high and confident on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, uh, but I do have the Bulldogs coming out 75-72 and winning the, uh, the tournament. So that is, that's the big thing with March Madness right now. And again, no perfect brackets, which is ridiculous. The cool thing is, is that after the Ohio State loss, 121 brackets were alive. And think about it. You look at the billions of brackets that are created every year by billions of people. And for 121 out of a good couple of million 
to be alive that's pretty cool so yeah that's that that's about that and we'll go so, on to the women's side now i think we can move on talk a little bit about the women uh side of the bracket so. here and it's um Similar story. We've seen some upsets. Uh, a few teams that we both agree should have made it did not. And let's go ahead and talk about Bowling Green right now. Not just because we're both Bowling Green fans. We both studied at Bowling Green State University. But it seemed, in our minds at least, the MAC got snubbed an at-large bid for the NCAA Women's Tournament. I agree. Uh, and, and you look at the Bowling Green Falcons, and I, I want to throw the Falcons here for just a second. The Falcons were predicted to finish 11 of 12 in the Mid-American Conference this year. 11 out of 12. And the Falcons secured a number one seed, made it into the Mid-American Conference tournament, and fell to a really, really good Central Michigan team. A really, really good Central Michigan team. And the Falcons made it to the NIT. They lost game one against Creighton. They beat Dayton last night. Um, so I, I do agree with you. I think that they got snubbed a little bit. And again, Coach Fralick, congratulations on your extension. Lexi Fleming, Katie Hempfling, this is a bright, bright team. And this future is a bright, bright future. They are so stout on defense. They've got electric scores. And they're only going to get better. It's a young team. And for Bowling Green to not even be considered for an at-large bid is crazy to me. And I think the reasoning for it is the pure fact that Bowling Green is a Mac school. I, I would agree with that to a point. Uh, I mean, we saw two years ago, the last time we had a tournament champion, it was Central Michigan and Buffalo. Both they both made it. One made it as a champion. One made it at the at large as the at large. I don't understand why we couldn't see that come through again. If you just take a look at uh, the history of the Bowling Green women's team, it was uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. They were the first team to make it to the Sweet 16 of the women's side from the MAC. They're the winningest program in MAC basketball history. And it, uh, they had their best season since before you and I started attending Bowling Green. Uh, it's it's just a pain. I, they should have made it. And now we're going to see what happens next year with the Falcons. They've got really good players, Lexi Fleming, Katie Hempfling's going to be a senior, and she's a rebounding machine. And not even to mention, um, oh, who am I thinking of? Uh, I, I can't think of it. Um, Do you need help? Alyssa Brent. She's She can score. She can rebound. She's I, I have... Compared her to other players on the men's side, she's a lot like a uh, Anderson Verajal that would go in, play to get the rebound, do whatever you can to get the rebound. Uh, that's a player that the Falcons desperately need to keep going, and she's going to be back next year as a junior. This Falcons team is going to look great, and that's the problem. Bowling Green deserved at least a solid opportunity for an at-large bid. And they they deserved it. They fought for it. The NIT is still a great consolation-esque prize for the Falcons, who have nothing to be upset about for the year. Absolutely nothing. But when I sit there and say that the Falcons deserved at least a good, solid look, I mean it. I, I believe so, too. We'll move on to the other big story that is really being... It's been worked out now mostly by the NCAA, but the difference between the men's and women's uh, weight rooms for the NCAA tournament, and it was uh, Sedona Price, the uh, redshirt sophomore for the Oregon Ducks. She has a TikTok pref, uh, presence. Showed a TikTok of the weight room for the women's tournament, and it was... Uh, Sad. It was a rack of dumbbells, and that was about it. It has since been, the NCAA came out and said it was a space issue. They were waiting for more space to become available, which it seems just like a uh, 
generic answer. They have gotten it fixed, though. They've been given more dumbbells. They've got rack weights. They've got exercise bikes, so everything out there. But, Zach, without getting too political here, do you think this was a revenue issue or a men's versus women's sports issue, or do you think this was just the NCAA making an honest mistake? I don't think that it was a men's versus women's issue, personally. Um, and this is honestly the first I'm actually hearing about this. I haven't had the opportunity to hear this. Um, but just going off of it, I don't think, though, that on the other side it was an honest mistake. Um, it, it could very well be an effort of space. Um, it could be a matter of just an honest, oh, we didn't put those in there like it maybe it was just possible that they had it and then didn't move it i don't know the circumstances so i'm not going to speculate and again i'm just hearing about this now so i i really don't have a solid enough opinion on this to make a statement yeah well i'll, I'll say it a little bit i think it was i don't think it was meant as disrespect but it was taken as disrespect and the ncaa screwed up here uh it, they're if you see the pictures of the NCAA late room, I think it's at Lucas Oil Stadium. I, I think it's actually where when I went to Lucas Oil with the Falcon Marching Band where we rehearsed before we performed at the BOAs. Um, but it it was sprawling. They had all sorts of different workout equipment. And why, why shouldn't the women have the same access? They do at the schools. All, all, all the athletic teams have access to the same workout equipment. I don't know if the NCAA just dropped the ball or if there was just something going on here. They didn't think that they needed it. But I will say kudos to the NCAA. They have fixed the problem. They have added, like I said, more dumbbells, uh, weights, uh, rack, weight racks, exercise bikes all that kind of stuff so kudos to them on that on fixing the problem after it came out on tiktok of the difference between the two weight rooms very interesting very very interesting gotta pull up this again here we go um so zach on the women's side uneducated guess who's your national champion well, I, as much as I want to turn and, and say UConn, because UConn is pretty known for getting in here, I like South Carolina. I like the Gamecocks. And it's a solid, rounded squad uh, with quite the pedigree already in the past. And, I mean, I like Stanford here, too. But, you know, give me the Gamecocks. My, one of my really good friends goes to South Carolina, and he talks them up all the time. So... In the in the spirit of South Carolina, go! <laughs> I'm gonna go as much as I want to say UConn. I'm gonna go with Louisville. I think the Cardinals have had a solid season. They've got a good coach. I, I think they can go on a run here and just see what they can do. Uh, they'll run into Oregon. They can possibly run into Oregon in the Sweet 16, but I think that would be a very fun matchup to watch. I think the winner of that game, the Oregon-Louisville game, if we get to it in the Sweet 16, wins the tournament. I agree, but I, I still I still like South Carolina. <laughs> really, Zach? <sighs> okay. <laughs> Moving on from that text... Oh, we've got uh, NBA. Zach, our Cavs, not doing too hot. Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> they came out, they were doing really well, and now they can't buy a win. They, they need to be playing for the lottery at this point. And, um, you know, I, I want to say I'm disappointed. I want to say I'm disappointed. And the reason being is the fact that you don't want to keep Andre Drummond in your building. I'm a little disappointed. Now, Jared Allen is good. He's so solid. And JaVale McGee has had a pretty solid season himself. But, you know, the Cavs can build with Andre Drummond. They can build with him. And I, I just don't understand why you don't. You have a young all-star in Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton 
honestly looks fantastic. And I was one of the people that said, I don't want Sexton during the draft. I sat there and I said, I don't want Sexton. And I got to take that back. Colin Sexton has looked the part. He is an NBA caliber point guard. He needs help with alternate scoring options. And the Cavs are almost there. The Cavs are almost there. They need that alternate all-star to go out there and play next to Colin Sexton. And Andre Drummond could be that guy. But Drummond is your big in the paint score. He can easily pull down 20 rebounds a game and, you know, nobody will think anything differently of it. And you put Jared Allen in there too. And suddenly you have two bigs who can play the, the paint and rule it. Darius Garland has been okay, but Darius Garland to my mind is more of a sixth man. You need to find that second shooter. You know, Steph Curry is great, but he is unbelievable when Clay Thompson's on the floor with him. And that's the best comparison I can give you for what the Cavs need to do. As in terms of the rest of the NBA, LeBron James is out for the foreseeable future with a high ankle sprain. Of course, the Lakers are ready without Anthony Davis. Uh, so that comes down to Dennis Schroeder and uh, what can Schroeder do? Um, so look for the Lakers to start sliding a little bit here and LeBron rushing back from an injury to come and pull his team back into contention. So I don't have as many high expectations for the Lakers. And then, of course, the Brooklyn Nets, who keep adding stars. Now Blake Griffin is a net. Blake Griffin, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. That's four of their starting five. Yeah, and they they finally put everything together. They were on a slide for a while, and now they're 28 and 14, second place in the East. They, they've got a lot going for them, and they're a team that very could, very well could play for a chance to go to the NBA Finals. I, I agree with you. But then Brooklyn. you look at the Philadelphia uh, 76ers on a tear. This is a team that five years ago was the joke of the NBA. Trust the process. Uh, in the Western Conference, Utah looking good. The Phoenix Suns, a team you and I both thought could make a run after how they performed in the NBA bubble, uh, right? But just before missing the uh, the uh, playoffs. But uh, do, you, do you think the Phoenix Suns have what it takes to maybe go all the way out of the West? I don't know, but the thing that's going to be really helpful for the Phoenix Suns is the fact that LeBron and the Lakers are going to be sidelined for a little bit. And that's no knock to the Lakers compared to the Suns, but the Lakers have the GOAT in LeBron. So what the Lakers and the Suns now have in common is they have more even star powers, I guess what I would say. No Anthony Davis and no LeBron. What is it that, you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul can do? The Suns have the talent to make it to the NBA Finals out of the West. But you have to contend with Jamal Murray and the Nuggets. You have to contend with Dame Lillard and the Trailblazers, who are going to get C.J. McCollum back here really, really, really soon. And then you have to deal with the Utah Jazz, who are playing with Donovan Mitchell, who is playing really, really well. He's playing like a seasoned veteran. So I don't know, to put it to you lightly, with the Suns. I think they could do it, and I think with the Lakers out of commission of sorts, they have a really, really good chance. But I would, I would give the Suns a fighter's chance. So, yeah, NBA, we'll keep an eye on that as we keep going. But now we're going to go over to the NFL and some free agent frenzy. And I want to start with the Browns, who I think are one of the top teams in the league right now on the free agent market. They've really stacked up part of that defense. Yeah, I I would have to agree. And this is a Cleveland Browns team that was close and they still are close. Um, I think that this year the AFC North runs through Cleveland. As, as much as it sucks to say, I think it does. 
Um, the Browns have made all the moves that they've needed to. Baker Mayfield has the solid offensive line in front of him. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt both playing all games this year. Austin Hooper, the dynamic tight end they need. I still think that they need a number four or potentially a number three receiver, depending on what it is the Browns want to do with Odell Beckham, but it seems they have no intention to get rid of him. Jarvis Landry is still getting up there in age, but Jarvis Landry is still one of the most competitive slot receivers in the NFL. Rashard Higgins coming back. Then you go and look at the defense, and the defense is the place where they needed the most help, and I still think the defense does need a little bit more work. Um, Miles Garrett. You look at who they brought in. Anthony Walker, uh, uh, John Johnson the third. uh, If I can find it. Tack McKinley. Yeah, Tack McKinley. That's going to be a really good addition to the Miles Garrett front line. But here's the thing with Tack McKinley. There's a reason why Tack McKinley was cut by the Falcons, went to the Bengals, was released by the Bengals. There's a reason why he wasn't producing on the field and he had off-the-field attitude issues. There's a lot of problems with Tack McKinley. And, you know, the Browns have worked and shored up their secondary in a lot of ways. Denzel Ward is still, uh, he, as, as I've said several times, Denzel Ward is a good cornerback. He's not bad by any means, but he is not that X-factor cornerback. He, he hasn't had the help, and he got burnt quite a bit last year. Greedy Williams, you know, can't stay on the field. Of course, he only is in his third year now in the NFL, so hopefully he can come back. But the Browns went and adjusted it and made the moves in the secondary that they needed to. Grant Delpit should be coming back to play safety. You brought in two players from the Rams to go play in your secondary. I still think you need a solid middle linebacker. And in my opinion, I still think the D-line needs work. I'd agree with you there. I think their number one priority in the draft, though, should be to like their number one pick should be a linebacker. And I, I would I and this might just be my Ohio boy playing. I think it should be tough Borland. I think he's shown he has the potential to be an NFL caliber uh, linebacker. I think he's the best fit for Cleveland system uh, just but from how he played in round. Ohio State. Tough Borland won't go first round. Tough Borland's good, and as his name implies, he's a tough kid. He's he's a fighter, but Tough Borland isn't a first-round talent. He's easily a day-two pick, easily a day-two pick. But in my most recent mock draft, I have the Cleveland Browns selecting Christian Barmore, defensive line out of Alabama, to go and play either that D-line next to Sheldon Richardson or to go and maybe start pushing a little bit outside to maybe help out Tack McKinley a little bit. But the biggest thing the Browns need to accomplish in free agency or in the draft is putting somebody next to Miles Garrett. That's what they need to do. I don't know how confidently they feel about Tack McKinley, who was a first-round talent out of uh, or out there for the Falcons a couple of years ago, but I don't know. The, the Browns are in a spot where they don't need the feel-good, hey, let's revitalize the career-type pick. They need the pick that's, hey, I'm going to come in, I'm proven, I will come in and work. The Browns are there, and they need to work like that. But the Browns are having a pretty solid offseason. I will give them that. Meanwhile, the Steelers have re-signed Juju Smith-Schuster. A lot of people figure this is going to be what happened. They they cut him loose, see what kind of money he can get, and then re-sign him. So the thing with Juju is that everybody that I've looked at, and including myself, I didn't think Juju was going to come back. Um, there's not a lot of money in Pittsburgh this year. The Pittsburgh Steelers this season are what the New England Patriots were last season, and that's stuck in cap hell. Uh, essentially meaning that you have these players that you want to bring back and the players you should bring back, but you don't have the money because your money is tied up into dead money, uh, cap casualties, as well as expensive veteran players, i.e. Ben Roethlisberger. Now, Roethlisberger took a $5 million pay cut. He turned, said, here, here's $5 million. Help me out. The Steelers have lost Bud Dupree, who signed with the Tennessee Titans. Tyson Alu-Alu, the nose tackle, went to Jacksonville, the team that drafted him. Mike Hilton going to the Bengals. And James Conner is yet to sign anywhere, but those are the 
big notable free agent signings from Pittsburgh. But the Steelers are bringing back Juju. Juju turned down offers from Philly, from the Ravens, from the Kansas City Chiefs are the three biggest ones that I saw, all offering him more money. And he comes back to Pittsburgh on a hometown discount for a year and $8 million. Now, the the question that comes to my mind out of that, and maybe hearing it from somebody who's not a Steelers fan is the better way to look at it, or maybe just to get another ear on it. The market this year is low, very low. And that's because of the fact that the NFL lost a lot of revenue due to COVID-19 this year. Now, did Juju Smith-Schuster re-sign with Pittsburgh because he wants to stay for a year, you know, continue to show his stats, prove why he's the number one receiver, and go back into the market next year to make even more money for another big-name team? Or does he come back to Pittsburgh this year to obviously, again, play for the Steelers and then sign a long, long long-term extension next offseason when the Steelers hypothetically have more money? Uh, I would say the second option is more possible than the first. Um, I think the big issue is going to be who's the quarterback. I don't think Big Ben's coming back after this year. Granted, I've said that a few times over the last five years. I thought he was going to be done after the injuries. I thought he was going to be done after this year. Uh, But it's going to be who's the quarterback and if he thinks he can win in Pittsburgh. And uh, Mason Rudolph is not going to be Ben Roethlisberger. He's more like an Andy Dalton in my mind. He he might be able to get you to the playoffs, but I don't think he can win in the playoffs. I think that Roethlisberger was the best shot for Pittsburgh this year. Um, And I would still put Pittsburgh in the the playoff conversation. Um, I I would too. I think that's tough this year is the fact that Pittsburgh is about to lose five of their last year's defensive starters. And the defense was their strongest point. Now, let me, let me help it out a little bit. So the five players that the Steelers lost, Bud Dupree, the Steelers lost Bud Dupree against the Ravens in their second game this year, Torres ACL. Alex Highsmith came in and played relatively well for Pittsburgh. So that kind of answers the question for that. And in the final year of Alex Highsmith's college career, he was second in the nation in sacks behind the reigning defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young. So that's that. The biggest loss is Tyson Alu-Alu, who played nose tackle. He's the biggest loss because the Steelers don't have a true nose tackle. Mike Hilton, the blitzing corner. Cam Sutton was re-signed by Pittsburgh, so I think that Sutton's either going to go play number two to replace Steven Nelson. The Steelers have a glaring hole at cornerback. Um, So maybe you go do that, or you go and put Sutton at the slot corner to replace Hilton. Steven Nelson, as I already touched on, Vince Williams was cut by the Pittsburgh Steelers to make up some cap space. So the Steelers, I think, can still contend in the AFC North and the AFC North is going to be a lot better, especially with Joe Burrow coming back. The Baltimore Ravens have been crippled a little bit in free agency and we'll see what Lamar Jackson can bring to the table as Lamar Jackson just cannot succeed in the postseason. Um, but that being said, the AFC North continues to be really good, but Pittsburgh is going to be in a mild cap hell this year. I put the Steelers ceiling no more than nine or 10 wins this year, no more than nine or 10. Uh, I think they're going to be the second team out of the AFC North. I I, own, I think it's either going to be Baltimore or Cleveland to win the division, um, unless the Steelers can pull a miracle. We'll move on now to the Bears doing the Bears things and signing Dalton. Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. The Andy, man. Andy Dalton. You know. The Red Ranger. Oh, boy. You Signing know, with the Bears. Why didn't you bring back Trubisky? Mitchell Trubisky is a better option at quarterback than Andy Dalton. He really is. I don't know what the Bears are thinking. There's not much you can say on this. Andy Dalton, yeah, he made the playoffs a few times. 
He looked decent at times in Dallas, surrounded by mediocrity this year on a crippled Cowboys team. But, I mean, he's not going to win in a division with Aaron Rodgers. You want to know who might just make it to a Super Bowl this year, though? Who? The Arizona Cardinals. They might, after picking up Joe The Arizona Cardinals have made themselves known. J.J. Watt now signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A.J. Green, or wow, I said Pittsburgh Steelers. J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals. A.J. Green to the Arizona Cardinals. Patrick Peterson leaving is going to hurt. The Cardinals need to continue to shore up their defense, but the Cardinals continue to show that they are all in for the next two seasons. And um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of instability in the NFC West, but my dark horse Super Bowl favorite this year, the L.A. Rams. My dark horse pick. They've lost a lot on defense, so it all depends on what they can recoup, but I think they've got a good shot as well. Um, Matt Stafford now over there in quarterback after the big uh, offseason deal. Cam, or Matt Stafford heading over from Detroit to the Rams for Cooper Cup and two first-round picks to the um, Detroit Lions. So the Rams no, was, are um, looking two first-round picks and a third-rounder as well as Jared Goff. Jared Goff, not Cooper Cup. Lions. Yeah, not Cooper Cup. My mistake. So, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup, um, Robert Woods, Cam Akers, who just had a fantastic rookie season, Gerald Everett, a relatively solid O-line, which, I mean, still needs the help, but it's you can go draft that kind of help. You still have the monster, who shouldn't have won Defensive Player of the Year, who did win Defensive Player of the Year, Aaron Donald. I'm not arguing about it. TJ Watt got snubbed, but I digress. The defense is still solid. Jalen Ramsey is still back there playing corner. And I mean, you still, again, could use help back there. But the Rams are my dark horse favorite to win the uh, the NFC this year. The Saints, I don't know how affected they'll be without Drew Brees. Congratulations to Drew Brees on his retirement, by the way. Um, Sad to see you leave, but very grateful for the time you gave us. Great. I'm excited to see him on NFL's cover, NBC's coverage of the NFL and Notre Dame football. The Saints are going to be crippled mildly. I don't know what the Packers are going to do. Green Bay is going to be an interesting team to watch this year. The NFC South is still ruled by Tampa Bay, so Tampa Bay, the reigning champs, are going to have to come out and make a name for themselves early on, and... The, the team out of the NFC East is either Washington or the New York Giants who have started to make plays, and the Giants had a pretty solid defense last year, and now add Kenny Galladay to that front group to help out Daniel Jones. So Danny Dimes has a number one receiver, two top-notch tight ends in Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram, Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton. It's a solid team all around Daniel Jones. So I really like the Giants this year. Washington um, signing Fitz Magic. The beard (laughs) is heading to Washington. So the NFC is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. um, But I'm surprised that we haven't seen more players sign one or two year deals for teams. More, uh, More or less, a lot of these big name free agents have signed huge, huge contracts like Bud Dupree, Dak Prescott getting re signed by the Cowboys. It's, it's, a lot. it's looking more like Major League Baseball contracts at this point. Uh, we'll move on now. We'll stay in New York, but we'll go to Buffalo. Mitch Trubisky is now a Bill. He's the backup quarterback He's for the, the Buffalo Bills. I'm sorry. Was there not a single team that he would have started on? I mean, yes and no, but the way that I look at it for Trubisky is I think Trubisky needed something a lot similarly to what Dwayne Haskins needed. Go sit for a year. Go sit for two years. It's the same thing with Jameis Winston. Um, What I'm surprised about is that Mitchell Trubisky didn't go to a team with an aging quarterback um, or to a situation that might open up soon. I thought Trubisky to the Buccaneers was a solid, solid play. I I thought so, too. Go sit the kid behind the best to ever do it for a few years and let him develop, and then suddenly, poof, here you go. It's the same thing with Marcus Mariota sitting behind uh, Derek Carr in, or in Vegas. I thought Trubisky to Vegas would have been a solid play, too. Look, Trubisky's not bad. He just didn't have an accurate arm, and he can work on that. And 
to go sit behind Josh Allen for a year, I mean, isn't a bad idea. Josh Allen was in the MVP conversation this year, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure what uh, Mitchell Trubisky was doing. I like the signing of Emmanuel Sanders, though, in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I like that signing. Yeah, that's a good one. I think we're, we're missing a few other ones, aren't we? What do you mean? Big free agent signings. Other than Tom Brady, how many years was his contract? Ex- I think he's on like a two-year extension. Two-year extension, if something I'm not like that. Mistaken. Yeah, I want to say he resigned for like two years. The, um, the, uh, Justin Pete? Simmons got um, Justin Simmons got a contract extension with Denver. Denver starting to look good, adding Kyle Fuller, who was cut by the Chicago Bears. Uh, so that secondary is suddenly looking really good. But the biggest team in free agency thus far has been the New England Patriots, who a year ago sat there and said, we have no money, we have no money. And what do they do on the first day of free agency? They bring back Cam Newton, who nobody has said he will be the starter. We do not know whether or not Cam Newton is going to be the starter in Carolina. I still think that they go and they draft a the quarterback and maybe sit him for a year. Um, but I would put that in that perspective. But Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith, so two tight ends to go run a two tight end set down there in New England. Um, Davon Godshaw, who is the nose tackle for the Miami Dolphins, goes to the Patriots. Kyle Van Noy, who is cut by the Dolphins, goes to the Patriots. The, the Patriots, I think, could be back in the conversation of a wild card team. They could be. I think the AFC East still runs through Buffalo right now. Uh, we'll have to see what happens. And then real quick, we need to touch on the Deshaun Watson uh, scenario and I, I when it was one woman coming out and he said it was a baseless accusation I was like okay maybe maybe nothing happened but now I, I try, are we up to 13 13 civil cases I don't remember how many are on there now um, but I know that there are a lot of them um, so Deshaun Watson, the current quarterback of the Houston Texans, and I say current because he has asked for a trade. He wants out. J.J. got out. Deshaun Watson wants out, but Houston, who just re-signed Deshaun Watson to a massive contract extension, wants him under center. And they promised Deshaun Watson that he would get some conversation over who's the new GM. Didn't get involved. He was told he would get some on the new coach didn't get any type of uh, influence or uh, say in the matter and Deshaun Watson was not happy about it so Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston they won't let him and now he suddenly has plenty of um, sexual assault allegations going up against him so there are seven of those now of, um, of women coming forward and saying that Deshaun Watson touched them inappropriately um I, we're, we won't go too much into it because there is so much misinformation about this type of thing. Um, and personally, I haven't read a lot of the articles and stuff that have come out about it. They, and I are don't requesting, like they are requesting a grand jury now for criminal charges as well. So we will have to see what Deshaun Watson brings to the table. But um, I, I hope whatever comes out of it, that it was the correct outcome of it. And um, if there was anything bad that went out against it, that it uh, gets resolved. I will say what I say every time an athlete, something like this happens. If it is true what you are saying happened, Deshaun Watson should be blacklisted from the NFL. As much as he's talented, you can't do that. You cannot do that if it's true. If it's true, he has no business being in the NFL anymore. Uh, well, we'll move on now to Bowling Green State University Volleyball. And we're uh, now talking with the voice of the Falcon Volleyball team, Zach Smith. Uh, and Zach, 18-0. and 0. This team looks fantastic. This is the best team that I have seen since I started calling Bowling Green Volleyball about a year and a half, two years ago. Um up and down this lineup this is a talented talented lineup um featuring some seniors who are making noise in bowling green history katie kidwell closing in 
on the career total blocks lead in Bowling Green history. Jacqueline Askin having a solid season yet again, the senior from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, then you look down the lineup. Julia Walls recently reached a thousand career digs on her um, notable career already, and she's just a junior. Caitlin Meyer within, I want to say, 30 kills of a thousand all time in her career at Bowling Green, just a junior. And then the freshmen up and down this lineup are getting some time. Jaden Walls coming in recently, getting some solid time at setter. Kachin Trebalhovska for the, uh, the Falcons. Hannah Lauby, no longer just the setter who is replacing Isabel Marciniak. She has made a name for herself. Already three times this year, she has been named the max setter of the week. Petra Androva looks really, really good. The Falcons have clinched the regular season title in Bowling Green, so the Falcons will host the MAC tournament here in about a week. Uh, first weekend of April, that will be going on here in Bowling Green, Ohio. And... Um, I still sit here and think that even in the oppor- in the chance that Bowling Green does not win the MAC tournament, that Bowling Green still should deserve an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament this year. I, I agree with that. Last week, they had 14 votes to be in the top 25. I think after this week, uh, you can't deny them access to the top 25 in the country. It, it's going to be fun to see what happens. And uh, Zach, I will tell you, uh, if they end up playing in a regional out here in North Dakota for some reason, you uh, are more than welcome to crash at my place as long as I can call the games with you. <laughs> Party up. As long as they let you come, that's the biggest thing. I have no problem with it. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, we're excited to see that. We'll talk more about Bowling Green Athletics next week. Um, a big thing, Andrew Clare has transferred to uh, the University of Northwestern. Uh, that's going to be a big loss for the Bowling Green football program. Uh, Bowling Green basketball, they were invited to play in the CBI, weren't they? I don't know if they did or not. The women's team is in the consolation bracket of the WNIT. Uh, Baseball and softball getting underway. Softball has been on a tear, or they were last I saw. I haven't seen anything in a while. Uh, But Bowling Green... Spring sports looking good. And then the fall sports that are playing in the spring, volleyball, men's and women's soccer, they're they're pushing hard. I would agree. It's a great time to be a Falcon. Um, and especially sitting here and saying that I've had the opportunity to be the voice of Falcon volleyball this year. This has been a fun, fun team to watch. Um, the Bowling Green men's hockey team, uh, unfortunately, did lose to the to Northern Michigan in the first round of their playoff. So they, they could see, still get in that large bid, but it all just depends on who very, falls very, where. Very unlikely that they get the at large bid, but it's still possible. Don't ch- don't count your chickens before they hatch, but it's still very, very possible. Uh, but yeah, I think that's about it, Zach, <laughs> man. Time sure flies when you're having fun. It did. It did. So uh, any final thoughts on the world of athletics, Mr. Zach Smith? Go Falcons. Go Falcons. I I like that sentiment sentiment every day. Well, that's going to be it until next week. Sorry about the uh, hiatus we had while I was moving. Zach was in class. Now we finally get this going again. Uh, So until next week, for Zach Smith, I'm Jake Seidel signing off. Reminding you to stay safe, stay healthy, and I Ziggy Zumba.